Hello, I am Corinne Samaris, HR Executive at South Downs Leisure, um, and I'm hosting the third um, sort of podcast. And as an organisation, we sort of focus on a range of topics, um, fitness, mental wellness, sustainability, and much more. Um, but today we're going to focus um, on neurodiversity, and I'm joined uh, by Emma Castledine from... Hi. Worthing Counselling uh, Centre, and also Paul Wilkinson. Paul. Um, and I work for Thoughtful, which is our mental health um, support team in schools um, for West Sussex County Council, and I do voice and participation. Great, thank you. So, um, Paul, you want to give us a little bit more information about about yourself and your role at West Sussex County Council? Yeah, so I've, I've been working with the council now for the last 10 years. It's actually my 10th anniversary um, a few weeks ago. Thank you very much. Yeah. The ups and the downs and, and, and the rest in between. Um, but essentially, my background is in youth work. So working with um, young people um, on a variety of different, different needs um, and... And yeah, kind of just progressed and moved through through West Sussex, fulfilling what I want to do. Um, and now I'm I'm with Thoughtful, um, doing voice and participation, which is kind of where I want to be. It is yeah. so lovely hearing children's voices and them shaping the services that that, that that are there for them, really. So so that's me, and that's my background. Great, thank you, Emma. Do you want to give us a little bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I. I'm head of clinical services for Worthing Counselling Centre, which is a charity in Worthing. And it's um, a counselling centre for everybody. Uh, we also work with young people, 16 to 18. I'm also a neurodivergent counsellor and psychotherapist, clinical supervisor. And I also um, am director of Think Neurodivergent, which is a therapy and training and well-being sort of small company um, that is looking to train and, and give a voice to neurodivergent working. So that's kind of where I'm at Great. at the moment. Thank you. So, you know, a lot of people will say, what is neurodivergent? Diversity, um, and I don't know if you, you know Paul and Emma. If you want to give kind of what your, you know, take on neurodiversity is. Yes, well, I'm going to defer to Emma on this one to oh, start okay. off with. Yeah, <laughs> Emma. So go. actually, the term neurodiversity means differences mm. in our neurology. So that includes everybody. That includes mm. what we call neurotypical people and neurodivergent people. So neurodivergence is all of us. Mm. The neurodivergent aspects, I think, which is what we're going to be looking mm. at today, is about people whose neuro way of thinking, way of being, way of processing is different from the neuro majority. Mm. And that could be um, sometimes labelled as people who are autistic, people who are mm. ADHD, um, but other things come under neurodivergence, such mm. as um, OCD, dyspraxia, mm. Tourette's. I mean, it's quite a, a large yeah. yes, um, group. So, yeah, mm. that's kind of yeah. in a nutshell. Mm. Neurotypical mm. are individuals who have the kind of majority way of mm. processing in brain, mm. in their brain. Yes. So, um, and that's really what society is set up to work with. Okay. Yeah, and I completely agree with that last, that last um, statement, is that, you know, our society is, is set up to deal with neurotypical, um, mm. and which is why this is such an important topic yeah, that, that, we're, that we're discussing. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I think, you know, that it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, with, I know that you do, you know, work with sort of younger adults as well. Um, but within the workplace, you know, what is the kind of setup that, you know, that, that the workplace can, you know, what, how do they sort of cater for individuals, you know, that are neurodiverse? I think, I think it's, it's, different for different organizations mm. so i'm very fortunate i work for a local authority that is very much geared around equality and, yeah. and and inclusion but there is this but but then there are other organizations which aren't and mm. there are there are some kind of buzzwords around policy and and mm. and all that type of stuff and, and one buzzword is um where they can they, they conform to or mm. they are they are compliant with and actually, that's not necessarily 
as far as they could go to to be inclu a inclusive organization mm. um, being compliant with something with a, with a, with a policy or a procedure is very different than being mm. welcoming with open arms and having all the um, all the all the facilities there to to support mm. young people children and and adults as well neurodivergent mm. yeah and do you think you know that you know, with the with the youth of today, do you think they're very aware of of this? And 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 do you and where do you think they get this awareness from? Is it their parents or <clears throat> social media? Social media. I would absolutely yeah. say that social media has had a massive impact, mm. and it's often seen as a negative thing. Actually, a lot of mm. um, organisations see as as dangerous and of course you know we do have to be mindful of the information yeah. but a lot of neurodivergent people um, come together mm. on social media mm. because it it's a platform where people can feel comfortable yeah. um, it's it's an environment that works with neurodivergent young people and they're able to actually discuss and talk to each other mm. um, without yeah. being in a room with people yeah. <laughs> without that judgment yeah. so I think those conversations are beginning that they mm. are beginning yeah. um, in in the kind of um, neurotypical world. I think we're starting to to mention it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the, there's also that for me. There's that little thing about oh well, everybody's everyone's saying they're ADHD now. Mm. Everyone's saying that they're autistic now, and that's and that can have a counter effect. Yeah. So I think you know we need to be mindful that when we're talking about neurodivergence that we're doing it from an affirming place yes, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. um yeah so and and and, and that's really key is culturally mm. and historically well back when i was when i was a child yeah. adhd didn't exist right. you were you were labeled as a naughty child yes. um and and we are kind of moving away from that yeah but we're not there yet in no. any way, shape, or form. So there, there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there where actually education plays a big part. Um, actually, organisations such as yours, Emma, you, you know, bringing it to the to the to the mm -hmm. forefront, having these conversations is is really important. Definitely, and also I think employers as well. It's it's quite a long journey, isn't it? I think you know uh, talking about various sort of topics, you know, whether it's the menopause. Whether it's you know you know how do we cater for individuals you know with differences you know whether they've got visible or invisible you know and how do they cater for that and I think it you know again it's a generational thing I know my family you know my my father is in his eighties and he really has no understanding of it because there was no such thing you know as you quite rightly said Paul just a minute ago it wasn't talked about you know and you were almost kind of pushed away I mean I remember actually as a child you know oh you're left-handed oh right that's interesting you know where most children in the classroom were right-handed suddenly somebody with a left-handed or my mother was ambidextrous which was quite unusual as well and she said you know people were kind of how can you be both things you know so I think it is awareness and raising awareness and talking about it as we're doing today you know yeah. about this topic and, and I think that, that that's kind of synonymous with the diversity mm. in general diversity yeah. in general is, is that, that actually we need to have a narrative around it we need yes. to talk and have dialogues um and, and essentially we need to be curious you, you know um because what what actually you know disables a person Mm. is not the person no. it's their environment yes. so so it's the adage that if you have um, a person who's in a wheelchair has yeah. mobility needs if they go to get on a bus mm. and the bus doesn't have a ramp or any steps yeah. that's not the individual's fault no. that's the fault of the bus company and the organizations yeah. that are there and it's exactly the same with neuro, neuro, neurodiversity you know is, is actually we as a society have to be inclusive of everybody um, irrespective of their needs otherwise what we're doing is disabling them. Mm. and actually we need to shift the whole narrative because everything comes from a, a, the neurotypical lens mm. of what is disability Yes, and, and actually, you're, you know, Dr. Luke Bearden, who's an autistic academic, he was actually on the Chris Packham Autism yeah. and Me program. Mm. Uh, and he talks about the golden equation, which is autism plus environment equals outcome. Yes. Yeah. And yes, that's so the same for me for all neurodivergent people. And, mm. and I think unless we are listening to neurodivergent voices, we're not going to get it right. No, no exactly. exactly. The other thing that I want to say is if you've met one neurodivergent person 
you've met one and you're a divergent person. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So when you're looking at policy um, and practice in, yeah. in workplaces, we need to get away from that. This is your disability, your mm. condition, whatever word you want to hang on it. So what we're going to do is this. Because you're autistic, you've obviously got sensory issues. So mm. what we're going to do is this. That isn't actually helpful. No. And, it, and, it's, mm. and it's, it's working on the deficit model. Mm. which isn't actually supportive so mm. so you know this is about taking people as individuals and believing what they're saying mm. and believing their experience mm. exactly and, and and this is you know we we used to use expressions like you know there's a spectrum so there's yes. a spectrum from mild to yes. the other end it's not really that helpful in no, many respects, no. because then you're you're, you're categorising mm. people and yeah. saying, well, you're in the moderate to severe, so therefore well, this is for you. Yeah. And again, it's what, what Emma just said, is working yeah. on a deficit model. Um, every neurodivergent young person, child or adult is completely different. Yeah. There might be some similarities in yeah. terms of noise or, yeah. you know, kind of amount of people or something like that in terms of the environment, but in reality... Yeah. Their needs are very different. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I am a neurodivergent mother of three neurodivergent children. I have an autistic ADD husband, and you could not have differences yeah. uh, as, as many as we have in our house. So some people can't wear underwear. Mm. Some people have to have tight clothing. Yeah. Some people love a bright light. Other yeah. people, they can't have bright light. So it's so it actually, I'm kind of living and breathing oh, all wow. this diversity, which is amazing, actually, yeah. and, and has taught me so much, I think, mm. on that. It, it, it's a fascinating area of work. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. And I, I've worked with lots of autistic young people and lots mm. of um, children with ADHD, and it's, it's fascinating. Mm. And ultimately, it's fun as well. I find it fun. Um, but it's very unhelpful if you try and go, well, one size fits all. You know, yes. it, it doesn't work like that. No. Absolutely. And, and again, I suppose for me, it's about listening and, mm. and believing. I mean, I've, I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, you, you don't, well, just make them do it. If they, if, they, if they do it, you know, make him wear shoes. Okay, mm. I'll try that. But it doesn't make the pain of wearing shoes any less mm. the more that you mm. try and get children to do that and there's just mm. something for me around the the ableist way of looking at it completely mm. and 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 also having this capacity to be patient and to kind of work around mm. you know um some of these needs really ultimately yeah, yeah. I think that's so I think that's so important and in the workplace for us I think what our challenges are in the workplace is that those um sort of individuals do come to us because we can't help and support them if they don't and I think that is a barrier for them as well um you know they might declare it on their application form and they might not um you know, and I would say that's the only thing. And within South Downs Leisure, we do support differences, you know, whether it's a disability or, you know, we've we had a member of staff that had HEH ADHD and, you know, didn't particularly like noise and they work within an open plan office. So it's taking into account, but until that individual came to us, um, to their line manager or to HR to say that, you know, they had been formally diagnosed or some people are not formally diagnosed. That's the other side as well. And a lot of uh, individuals are not diagnosed until later in life. That's, yeah, know. yeah, complete, completely true. Um, it, it's, it's really, really amazing to hear that, that actually how open and mm. um, kind of transparent, you know, South Downs Leisure is. That is exactly what we need in yes. every single workplace, every yes. single school, every single organisation within the UK. The thing with ADHD, um, autism, those, those types of things is for a long time, the sense that I was getting anyway was that it was kind of almost a bit of a taboo subject. Mm. It was like, oh, they've got ADHD, therefore we must, oh, we must suddenly segregate them and put them into mm. this room. And, and actually that's not helpful, no. you know. Um, 
No, because it creates fear. Yeah. And it creates yeah, it fear does. around people and people who are feeling fearful mm. because they're not, they don't fit yes. in the environments that they, so, so you, uh, and it isn't surprising, we have a, a huge number of young people who are experiencing, mm. um, you know, anxiety at school yeah. and low mood at school because mm. they're in, it's like being in an alien environment. People mm. talk about being dropped on a planet without the manual, yeah. right? Yes. And yeah. being expected not only to function, but function the same way as everybody else does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, so that has massive impact. Yeah, and it's that functioning which, you know, we as, you know, kind of in a neurotypical based society go, ah, oh, just fit in. Just, just fit in, it'll be all right. Try harder, build resilience. Yeah. You know, these young people and adults who have managed to live, get yeah. up, get a job, have families mm. within an environment that mm. is actually working against them. Mm. They are the most resilient people I've oh, ever met, but we're asking our children to be more resilient. Yeah. We're asking our children to just push a bit more, push mm. through. And what's happening is we are traumatizing our children and our adults yeah. and, and we're then not recognizing the mental health aspect within that yes. so actually one of the things um you know we you know i've sort of come across in my career is that actually if you've got autism you can't have mental health you know mm -hmm. it's kind of like me mental health is for, for some reason at that point was all wrapped up in one as mm -hmm. whether they're autistic mm -hmm. you know whereas in reality Autism and mental health are completely different things. Yes. Everybody has mental health, whether it be good, bad, etc. So yeah. we have to have that kind of narrative as well. Autism is a way of being. Yes. Um, but there are no services no. for diagnosis. No. So you can you can get a diagnosis um, if you're lucky enough. Yes. You can get a diagnosis, yes. but then what happens? We were given mm. a leaflet. Mm. That was it. And that was it. And that was it. After seven years of trying to get a diagnosis, we got the diagnosis and that yeah. was it. So there's, there are real conversations that are needed around how do we support people. Do you think that's funding? What, why do you think that the support isn't there, you know, for families to, to, to deal with this? Is, it, is the funding not there? Is, are people not trained to a level or what what do you think that is i think i think it's very simplistic to think about that it's all down to money money right. firstly okay. what we what we what we've seen in the last 5 10 years mm. is a big spike in mental health among children and young people um and then obviously we're, we're now coming out we're off the back of the of the covid pandemic and mm. and we we are seeing new phrases and buzzwords amongst children and young people mm. um primary school children for example saying that they are anxious yeah. you know that mm. wasn't a buzzword before mm. the pandemic you know well, not for that age no not for that age group yeah. no so these are primary primary school children mm. so i think that yes money does play a part in it mm. and but also the demand as well the demand mm. is out there um the two have to work in correlation with each mm. other in order to you know um have enough practitioners to do the assessments you need the money to fund more practitioners mm. but it also goes down to um whether there's enough um therapists clinical psychologists etc actually being trained to come through into those professions and whether they want to go into those professions as well so i think there's a raft of of, of kind of factors really mm. uh, and i think there are also people don't know what to do yeah. you know so cbt has always been the traditional way of treating yeah. autistic yeah. people especially yeah. and it doesn't work i mean the research is showing that actually mm. what we're trying what they're trying to achieve is i'm going to make you learn to behave in a way so that you fit into neurotypical society yeah. so it's not going to work it doesn't work and all it does is reinforce that that person isn't okay mm. as they are mm. so what we're finding or what i'm finding now is that it's we need a much more relational way of working mm. with people yeah. mm. and working with neurodivergent people who mm. are you know amazing people myself being one of them <laughs> to be in relationship with mm. so you know we need to to shift as well the way that it is looked at and treated because mm. it's it's all based on that medical model again mm. rather than the social model of disability which yeah. is what we need mm. to be kind of looking and, at. and how do you think within you know obviously this starts from an age you know a young age how do you think you know obviously South Downs Leisure we have you know sort of a, a you know a young staff as well coming through 
as lifeguards, as leisure assistants. You know, what do you think as an organisation, just generally, um, we can do to support individuals? Because as I say, I think it's having the comp for them to have the confidence to, um, you know, uh, not feel they're going to be judged within an organisation. So know. the first thing I would say to you is normalise the conversation. Mm. So you know, one of the things that we're doing now at Worthing Counselling Centre is if somebody comes for an interview, yes. I will say we're a neurodivergent affirming practice. So yeah. one of the things that we're working on at the moment is we're working on, you know, all our counsellors are trained mm. in, in neurodivergence mm. and um, this is something that we promote. Mm. Uh, so, and then we have conversations. So in staff meetings, we talk about it and it's mm. just part of a conversation and rather I'm, than a thing yes. that you have to go and talk yes. about. Yeah. I think that's important, isn't it? And, uh, you know, and that's why within South Dance Leisure, we have sort of job chats or one-to-ones, yeah. you know, and, you know, so that they can build that relationship with their line manager and I think that's really important. Um, obviously, like all companies, you have appraisals, you know, or PDRs in our case. But um, it's it's the, it's giving them the opportunity and the platform to be comfortable enough to come out yeah. and say that we need support. You know, we had somebody that worked for us for a number of years, um, but came out a lot later. And the moment they did, we did everything to support them. And I think that's, you know, the message we, to get out there within yeah. our organisation that we are there to listen and support them. Yeah. You know. and, and, and that's really critical. Yes. Is it's about embracing the difference mm. um, or the differences yes. um, rather than reacting to them. Mm. So the reaction for... I suppose, well, the normal reaction would be somebody with ADHD, we've got to turn the music down, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And then suddenly the, yeah. the, there's a reaction there. But mm. actually, if somebody comes in and says, oh, I've, I've got ADHD and you, you employ mm. them, and actually they can then be empowered to, oh, it's a bit loud in here, I can just turn it down, or yeah. actually have the confidence to turn around and say, do you know what, it's a little bit, mm. it's a bit, bit too busy in here for me at the moment. Is it all right if I go and do this? Mm. So it's empowering them to... to, to to make the decisions which mm. affect them rather than an employer, you know, South Downs Leisure yeah. saying, we must react to it. Mm. We must react to it and therefore we're not going to have any big, big lights or we're not mm. going to have any noisy spaces or, yeah, you know. So, yeah. so it's normalised, mm. you know, ultimately. And the other thing to remember, it's a, it's a dynamic way of being. Mm. They call it a dynamic disability, but, uh, you know, mm. I prefer way of being, actually. Um, and sometimes people, for example, you know, a real stereotypical um, autistic people don't um, give eye contact, mm. okay? Mm. But, it's, but it's dynamic. So it might be that in a certain environment, you are able to, to give mm. eye contact and that's okay. But... There may be other environments in the workplace where you can't. Yes. So that, and what often happens is people say, "Well, you did it. You did it yesterday. Yeah. So what's the problem?" Mm. Yeah. So we need to take this into account as well mm. that yeah. we want to put people in boxes because then we can tell them what we need to do mm. in order for it to be okay. And it needs to be an ongoing conversation, as you would with any other colleague, yes. and say, "What are your barriers yeah, and what are your yeah. challenges?" Mm. Well, it becomes it becomes for neuro for a neurotypical person. Um, it becomes safe. So when we can, we, when we can categorise yeah. something and put it into a nice, neat box, which explains person A has da, 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 ADHD, autism, etc. We've put it in a box. It feels safe and comfortable for us. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. And, yeah. and it, it always goes back to that one size fits all. You know, we have to have a one size fits all model that works for everybody. No, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. And this is the relationship-based model that, that um, Emma was talking about, this mm. kind of social model, is that actually when you build a relationship with somebody, you don't just sit down in a prescribed way with your notepad and kind of, hmm, you know, must have a conversation about this, 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 mm. this, this, and this. It flows. It, yeah. it becomes something. Mm. And onto that as well is that we, we as neurotypical think very linear in terms of, okay, so I know that my socialization of these, I make eye contact, I shake hands, mm. I... Um, have been yeah. socialised into those way of things. And, and that's very linear, you know, in many mm. respects. Autistic and ADHD neurodivergent people don't think in those types of types of fashion. They think very, um, yeah, very differently in many respects. 
I would, uh, it's really hard because yeah. it, it, it's not different if no. you're in it, no. you know? And, right. you know, one of the classic things was when my son was being diagnosed and they said, you know, did, did he present as strange? Or, and I was like, no. no. Mm. And the reason is, is because it wasn't strange to me because that's yeah. what I do yeah. because I'm neurodivergent too. So there's mm. that thing, isn't yeah. there, about, mm. you know, we think different. I don't know how yeah. we think, yeah. you know? How do you think we can educate our line managers to you know, to embrace, mm. embrace, you know, the, the sort of differences because obviously they're here to do their job and, um, you know, and, and if someone doesn't kind of come out to say that they need, you know, additional support or help, how can, you know, how do you think the line managers, how can they help in a way that, you know, when they do their one-to-ones or, you know, how can they support those individuals? Yeah. That's a really good question. Really good question. Um, I would say, and this is me personally say, don't do an assessment. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 have a piece of paper and say, is this you? Do you do this? Yes. You, you know. Okay. Um, a lot in order to reach the diagnosis of autism, yeah. there is many, many steps to get there. You know, and it can take a long time, mm. and, and especially for children and young people to sit there in another room and tell my life story again and to mm. sit there and tell them things about myself. It's mm. it's just another assessment. So let's not do assessments. But I think it's around um, training, ultimately, yeah. you know, training, training line managers, training staff to to be able to recognize some of the some of traits. the some of the traits some okay. of the characteristics, yeah. because some are are quite visible. Yeah. Um, there's a lot which isn't, so this is only surface yes. level stuff. Mm. And then how to, ha and training around how to have that appropriate conversation, mm. you know, ultimately. Um, that's where I would go with it, yeah. is, is training. Yeah, absolutely. Training, but it needs to be training by neurodivergent people. Yes. yes. Definitely. Not by neurotypical people, oh, training, training about neurodivergent people mm. to neurotypical people because exactly. you've got lenses. Yes. And and there's nothing wrong with being neurotypical. No, you know, it's no, you know, no. that's absolutely fine. But you're but neurotypical people are coming from a different neurological lens to neurodivergent mm. people. Yeah. So you need to be being trained by people who are neurodivergent. Mm. So that's mm. the first thing. And the other thing is about you know, really wanting to be curious and being a, a psychotherapist, of course, that's that's part of me yes. is being really curious. So yeah. my staff team, I'm in a really great position because their work is being curious, being non-judgmental yeah. uh, and learning. So, but if you can foster that in any organization mm. and I, you know, I know South Downs Leisure and you are really open and mm. you, you're doing stuff like this and yes. it's just fantastic yeah. uh, to yeah. actually be part of an open conversation. Mm. We yeah. need more of this. Yes. Yeah. And to meet people that are neurodivergent mm. and maybe you wouldn't know that about me. Exactly. You know, or, or know that about the people around you mm. because, we, you know, we're not all in that stereotypical way of yeah. being. Yeah. Um, so I think awareness is just the first step. We talk about autism mm. awareness, yeah. but actually we need to be affirming. So, yeah, let's let's become aware yep. and then look at what, what do we actually want to do with that? Because it's, mm. all, it's all very well being aware of something. Yeah. Uh, but but then make those conversations open and, and training, mm. yeah. definitely yeah, training. Definitely. Yeah, well, that's interesting because, you know, uh, I was saying about the traditional working places, practices are often designed for neurotypical, mm. yeah. aren't they, society in mind, uh, which can make it difficult for neurodivergent employees to yeah. thrive at work. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that we do support neurodiversity within the workplace um, you know and I think within Southdown Leisure we're reviewing our sort of equality and diversity and inclusive policy okay so I mean this is a perfect time you know to have these conversations with yourselves because you know that is something we in HR are doing and also it's not just an HR thing and I think you know a lot of people think that it's driven by HR oh HR will lead the way but actually it's getting the managers on board and you know it's not a buzzword you know it's it's a real thing and you know we we need to take this seriously um so yeah we're looking at all sorts of inclusivity and we're working with um employability leisure um and that's basically an organization that you know basically is focusing on getting people with sort of disabilities within the leisure sector mm -hmm. um you know and that's obviously people with visible invisible 
or impairments or, you know, sort of um, neurotypical neurodiversity, all of those things are really important and we want to get it right. And I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, we probably, like all organisations, it takes a little while, doesn't it? You have to kind of look at your policy and think, is that appropriate? You know, is it, you know, and we've done some really good things in our marketing team. Um, you know, they, our website, um, they, they put sort of like a, a little person in the corner. So again, you can increase, decrease text. You can, you know, um, dim the screen. You can do all mm -hmm. sorts of things. Um, some brilliant work done um, by our marketing team on that. And we're working at looking at lots of things. So what we've done, with this employability leisure scheme is we're working with Aspire, we're working with sports structures to see what we as an organisation could do. And I'd really like to get on board with, with working in, in this field as well because, you know, I there are a lot of people with OCD, you know. And again, um, we did have a scenario with a, an, an ex-employee that was OCD. And again, we, um, again, a lot of the environments are open uh, open off planned offices. So it's about, you know, being respectful of their space. Um, but again, it's, you know, it, and people, if they don't understand it, they find it very strange for them. Of course. You know. And, and, and that's our neurotypical way of thinking yes. is, oh, this is something out of the ordinary. I don't like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shy yes. away from it. And that's actually the culture that, we, that we're trying to avoid, that we're trying to move away from. Have you have you tried? I mean, so this is a question question for you. Yes. Is have you sat down with, with with a group of neurodivergent people, adults and or children, mm -hmm. and and done like a focus group or something yeah, and ask? So so it's something that that I do in in my line of work quite yes. quite a lot is to do focus groups with groups of of children or young people to yes. find out what their thoughts are. Mm. And actually, you might you you will, you'll get a lot of very very valuable information which you can then use in. Right. policies practice you yes. know um yeah well that you know we in our sorry in our employability action plan one of the things is um the kind of work experience i.e um getting an individual not necessarily somebody um you know uh with that on it's sort of new neurodivergent because uh, we are asking staff to kind of come to us mm. and you know and educate us yeah. actually yeah. and but I I don't know whether it's you know um we haven't had anyone come forward mm. so it would be actually really good if you have groups of individuals that mm. would be able to would be happy to come to our organization and speak to us generally and say you know well actually this is an open plan office so for me I would struggle with this or I would struggle with that. But, you know, and have you thought about doing this? It would be really good to have that, whether it's an adult, a child, um, you know, would that would. And also we might have customers in the same boat. But again, you know, that's not something we ask our customers to share with us. So they come here, you know, for the and it would be interesting to see the sort of classes they would choose. It, would it be Pilates? Would it be, you know, yoga that they're choosing? Or would it be pole dancing, yes. you know? Or, you know, what would their sort of, what would be their sort of interest if they came to South Dance Leisure? So it would be a really good thing for customers as well to kind of, you know, go on that journey for customers within South Dance Leisure. You know, because sometimes when you go to a supermarket, they have certain days, don't they? Yes. Where they tone down the lights where they turn down the music. Um, we haven't even got that far because again, you know, we have customers, but again, how do we know? And it's, it is, it is the unknown, you know? And although for some people it's the norm, but for other people such as ourselves, we need educating. And, that, and that's where we need the support, really. And, you know, and I think that's important within a, in a, in a, within a workplace to have that, you know, understanding for someone to talk very openly with us and to be very truthful. And if we can tap into that, that would be great. And I think, I think we need to think, though, that yeah. listening to you both, I'm thinking, 
okay. Yeah. So I've got to go into somewhere I don't know. Yeah. And I've got to go into a group of people I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And then I've got to tell you about my vulnerabilities. Yes. And you're going to be looking at me to, for the answers. And mm. I'm already thinking, whew, yes. okay. Yes. Yeah, there, there's there's there. no one yeah. in, in, in my kind of yes. sphere of group that would be able to do to it. It's do not that. that they don't want to. So we need to look at accessibility and how yes. do we... How do we offer that in a way that is not demand-led mm. and that is also accessible? So it might be online forums, might be might be easier, might be you know not being on camera on those online yeah. forums. People mm. walking into a room of strangers, mm. you're already yes. you know yeah, you're yeah. already actually that's that a neurotypical way of getting neurodivergent yeah. people together. So again, it, you know it, it's really interesting because it it's interesting. so complex. Yes. Yeah. Of course, there are neurodivergent people that will are happy to come mm. and talk and mm. you know, but I think it's it's interesting because I know a lot of neurodivergent people who can't access leisure services because there are lots of people because yes. the lighting, the mu I mean, I often hear music in gyms mm. is so painful because yes. it's so loud mm. and people are talking in the layers. So mm. there are things like that yes. that are easy to access. You could you could kind of send around yeah. a, um, something that mm. is on technology that people could answer. I think something that um, I'm noticing, especially in the counselling world and in training in counselling, mm. is there is very little training on neurodivergence, mm. right? Yeah. So, um, and that's one of the things that I'm going to be doing. I might talk about that later. Mm. Um, but what we are finding is um, that in, in one institute that does counselling training in London, they've set up a support group Fantastic. for That's neurodivergent really counselling students mm. to meet. And that is led by an, another neurodivergent counselling right. student and a neurodivergent mm. tutor. And pe the feedback is mm. relief. Mm. <sighs> okay. Mm. Just to be able to have those conversations mm. that have not been able. And from them, then that can be fed back uh, yeah. as yes. well. So, so yeah, yeah, so this is something this is something that I want to develop around counselling yes. services mm. in in the south, mm. in, in Sussex, is to offer that. Yes. Um, and but again, you know, if you're gonna run a group, then run a group with a neurodivergent facilitator. Yes. Right. And I think, yeah, because they would have the understanding and the, yeah, and yeah. everything else. To, to a degree, yeah. because, you know, so, so when we when we spoke at the beginning, it's it's like there are just so many differences. Absolutely. So, you, you know, yes, to a degree they would have some understanding, but it, we're not going into that one size fits all yeah. kind, kind of model, not. you know. Absolutely not. But mm. if you if you know that somebody's yeah. lens yeah. is is has some similarities or some understanding of not yeah. fitting in yeah. it doesn't have to be the same fitting in no, no. Um, and you don't have to have the same sensory processing difficulties you know mm. it can be a different one you yeah, know exactly. so I personally my sensory I'm a sensory seeker mm. so nice. to calm me down I sit in my car with bass on as loudly as possible nice. um, and that calms me down mm. whereas one of my children mm. can't bear music. Mm. It hurts their ears. So, But we have a shared yes. understanding yes. that there is a physical response, a psychological response to the senses around us. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But mm. knowing that, I think, frees people up. It does. It does. Definitely. I yeah. think yeah. it does. And um, do you think neurodiversity is talked enough about as a topic amongst young people? Uh, and, mm. and if not, why? <sighs> I, I I think so does it need to be I know that this sounds like a really flippant statement mm -hmm. but I wouldn't hold my hand up and say I'm neurotypical I wouldn't hold my hand up and say I'm this I wouldn't hold my hand up and say I'm that mm -hmm. I wouldn't hold my hand up and say you know all these things so why do mm -hmm. neurodiverse children and young people and neurotypical feel that it needs to be talked about mm -hmm. What it needs to be talked around is the systems and the practices around those children and young people, the teachers, the youth workers, their parents, mm. etc. Their understanding and them talking about it is actually much more important because then they put it, it puts a framework of normality on it. Mm. So I think that the conversations are being had and children and young people are very aware of being or feeling you know, uh, non-neurotypical, neurodiverse, definitely. And it is talked about to a degree, 
but I think again, it's the it's the kind of the society that we live in needs to be much more, have much more of a dialogue, have much more of a narrative around this is normal. Mm. It's normal to you know kind of be yeah. But the problem is these children don't feel normal, yeah. and what happens is that they're called lazy or naughty, yeah, or you don't concentrate well, or you never finish anything. You'll never do so. Yeah. Actually, having because there's this debate about labels, isn't there? Yeah, and I always believe that a label is as useful as the label is for you. Yeah. So you know, if it's useful, yeah. brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. And uh, but I do think that giving young people the language and the yep. words is really helpful. So I work most of my private um, psychotherapy practice is with neurodivergent young people and adults. Mm. And for some reason, it's just happened. 90% um, <laughs> of my private clients are now neurodivergent, all very different. Yeah. What I've found has been really helpful for them is to actually have language to describe who they are, what they're experiencing, rather than the negative language that has been placed on them by themselves yeah. and by school. Mm. Oh, you just can't sit still. Stop daydreaming. Yeah. Why haven't you? And, and they come with such a negative sense of self mm. yeah. that I think we do need to talk about it within that language exactly. and give them the language so they can say, actually, I'm not lazy. I yeah. have executive functioning difficulties, which means that I find it difficult yeah. to get somewhere on time mm. or I always forget my homework. Yeah. yeah, it's not because I don't want to and I can't be bothered. It's because I, so that's where I think it's important. Yeah, and that was much more eloquently put than me um, because exactly, yeah. we were saying exactly the same thing is we need to empower young people by having the systems okay. in place yes. to, Sorry, to give them the language. <laughs> no, don't, don't apologize, don't apologize. You said it in a much more, less waffly way than I did. But yeah. it's, it's amazing. But that's exactly what we're talking about is mm. we're talking about empowering young people to mm. turn and say, to ch challenge others and say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm not lazy. Mm. I really struggle with getting on the bus in the morning because there's too many people, it's too noisy, and I really struggle to get into school. So I will make it to school. It's just that I go on my bike, you know, and yeah, that might make me a little bit late. It's in those types of words, in the, that language, which is so, so important. Um, what's, what I find really interesting, um, and Emma, you, you, you might have a... You will have, actually. You will have. A okay, no pressure. No pressure. Kind of, uh, be able to interpret this, this one uh, better than me. Young people with ADHD, for example, mm. are, when they're diagnosed, generally the route to sort it out yes. is, to, is to medicate. Mm. So and these are very, very powerful drugs. Um, I won't name any names. But essentially, they work to rebalance hormones. Mm. Um, and... That, yeah, as I said, they're very, very powerful. As young people go through, you know, kind of their teenage years, they are developing, their brain is developing as it, you know, kind of as if it was a toddler. You know, it's reforming the neurons. It's reforming what they like, what they don't like. They're building identities. They're experimenting and taking risks. And I've sort of found that sort of 15, 16, 17, a young person with ADHD, I'm not saying all young people, mm. but a young person with ADHD might then choose to stop taking their medication to feel mm. as they feel, mm. to then understand what that medication is doing mm. to them as a person. That's what I, I've sort of found. And, and, and I think it's then we... I've seen it several times as well, where then we as a neurotypical society go, no, you need to continue to take your medication. You can't possibly stop taking it. Because because you then become problematic yes. within yeah. that environment. The, the other thing, mm. the word that's popped up for me is autonomy. Oh, and for me, I think of all the words um, associated with being neurodivergent, autonomy is the most important word. Yeah. Mm. Because a lot of people feel very anxious and out of control because the environment's out of their control, yeah. the opinions of other people are out of their control, the expectations and demands of school, of, oh, of yeah. work are out of control. So to actually nurture and foster autonomy mm. is, is one of the things that I think is, mm. is absolutely essential oh. for, for everybody, yeah. but for neurodivergent people especially. Mm. Um, and that's kind of mm. what you were talking about actually, which yeah. is, you know, we are scared of these young people and adults having autonomy yeah. and saying, yeah. I want to try it without my medication. So instead of going, no, 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 
actually, how can we support you so that you can then feel, is that working? Is it not working for you? Um, And if it is working for you, are the side effects okay? Or does that off balance actually taking it? So we, again, it's about trusting people as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's such a, such a big word, trust. Yeah, no. For neurotypical teenagers, we say, oh, you know, you've got to be responsible for this, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And, and actually, you know, we, we cater for that as a society, mm. you know. But as soon as we're a little bit panicked and a little bit worried about, you know, kind of, mm. oh, don't fit into a box, um, you, you know, young person, is is then we, we feel at odds, we feel out of sorts. Mm. And, and actually, that neurodivergent young person needs exactly the same skill set as the neurotypical. Yeah. but in their way, yeah. not in the way that is um, sort of shoehorned into all of us is the, you know, by the time you're 18, you must, you, 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 will, you will know how to do your laundry and you will be able to take the bus and you'll be able to drive a car and you'll be able to do this and you'll be able to do that. And suddenly it's And like, you'll have 10 friends and, and you'll you, be able to go clubbing. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and you can go to the supermarket and it's absolutely fine. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, it, it's all of that expectation. Isn't it? And it actually, is why big. do we need, why do we need 15, 20 friends? Do we yeah. need that? You know, no. does everybody need that? So again, it, it yeah. is that, isn't it? It's fostering that. And there's something for me about, you know, you were talking about what, where, where do you go as a, an organization? Mm, yeah. And for yes. me, I think it's, it's not about sitting with a neurodivergent person and saying, right then, so you're <laughs> neurodivergent. So there are going to be problems, yeah. Yeah. right? Because you've employed them. So yeah. they obviously yeah. can do the job yeah. in your, in your yeah. mind, they can do the job. So the, so a more useful conversation would be, okay, so you mentioned that you were neurodivergent or you may not, yeah. or yeah. what are the barriers for you yeah. in yeah. this environment? What are the barriers that, you know, you can let us know what what is needed in order for you to be the best you can be within this environment? Rather than, you know, we've employed you because we like to be, you know, we like to be inclusive, (laughs) but we know you're going to have a problem. And and no matter how nicely we put that, and I've done it, you know, back in in the day, I'm sure I've done that as well. I'm not coming from a kind of uh, a stance of being perfect by any means, but I think we do, you know, it is about that deficit way of looking yes. rather yeah. than that strength base so we've got you here we're really glad you're here now yeah. what are the barriers yeah yeah, yeah. and in that, that's the empowerment that is yeah. that that is the, the the value in the employee the value in the individual um which is which is so important it's yes. so important it is interesting because we throughout the year we have well-being dates in the calendar yeah. as most people do and um i was talking to our workplace champions on monday and i was saying to them that we can't celebrate every single day but what are the key ones mm. you know what are what's going to support staff what are staff going to say yay they're talking about this this is amazing mm. you know we have that empowerment with our menopause um, last year we you know uh, we actually created a menopause policy we um, you know recruited some uh, menopause champions and you know volunteers within the the workplace and it was just so lovely to hear managers and staff young and old to be fair you know saying well actually you know our organization are talking about this topic because it affects everybody in the workplace and I'd really like to do this as well, you know, and to focus on if we could do it in that scenario, we can do it in this scenario. And I think that would be really important. Um, You know, one of the things is obviously identity is becoming a hot topic Mm. of interest in young people. And why do you think that is? So... Identity has always been a thing, mm. you know, for that, that the, the, the teenage years, the formative years where a child develops many identities, um, some which last for about three minutes. Um, but so, so they're, they're changing rapidly and constantly all the time. Um, I think what there is now is, is young people are awakening to different uh, different forms of identity um and i think that's really critical it's really really critical and i think it's largely because we are becoming a bit more open we are talking about these things we young people feel so interestingly when um sorry i'll go off on a little tangent but i will bring it back is slight (laughs) slight politics but 
historical yeah. politics. 1997, Labour government came into power, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown. And what they said in their narrative very, very early on was, we want to make all young people responsible. So we're going to use the word responsabilization, which is an absolutely stupid word, you know, because the, the absolute quintessential part of being a teenager is taking risk. And if you take risk, you're irresponsible. Yeah. So we're trying to be responsabilize all these children, young people, all these young people. Now, that is incredibly damaging because what you're doing is you are, you, you, you're being very authoritarian, you know, whereas the reality is, is what we want to do is to empower a young person to be who they are, you know, be who they are. So if you just come out and said, we want to empower young people to be this or to be that or to be whoever they want to be, that is a much better because it's coming from a very, a very different place it's not putting mm. the onus on the individual you must take responsibility for you know mm. and so in terms of now we use the words empowerment a lot more we use the words um autonomy we use the words um we we're still learning and we're still getting there as a society mm. but but it's more so than it was in 1997 or even yes. probably five years ago mm. and so bringing this sort of narrative in where young people can go actually do you know what I do feel this way mm. is really important. Yeah. And to do it without fear or um, stigmatisation is, is, again, really, really important. So I think slow, slowly, slowly but surely, we are starting to break down some of these. Emma's going to come in and tell me that. <laughs> I think the problem that you've got is that, you know, from the moment you're in nursery school, yeah. you're being taught to conform, to sit on the carpet, to be still, yeah, yeah, to be yeah. kind, to not shout, use our indoor voices, um, you know, to... And, and actually, so we have children that are taught to do it mm. in that way. Mm. And of course, you know, when we're schooling millions mm. and millions of children, there needs to be some structure. I'm, you know, I was a teacher for 20 years, so, you know, I'm aware of the education system. Mm. And I think society then forces us into being a certain way. Mm -hmm. so, so what happens is if you're neurodivergent... That doesn't fit with you anyway. No. So you don't fit in. So you feel like you're failing at yeah. that... that. Then you become a teenager and then you're around people that are going, oh, well, I don't want to be that, I want to be this. And you yeah. think, okay, yeah. so I don't have to fit in or do I have to fit in, yeah. but I don't fit in. So then people then mask. Yeah, you know, there's course, a massive thing around masking, which could be a whole thing in itself. Yeah. So I won't go into that. <laughs> yeah. But actually masking is, is something that neurodivergent young people and adults do. Yeah. And it is very detrimental to mental yeah. health. But, yeah. And also what it does is it disconnects people from self. Yeah. In exact and and I suppose tell me if I'm wrong um, is that the, there's the masking or the fixation. So actually, the, with autistic young people, can become very fixated on a. Um, oh, I don't know, like um, a, an identity. So in my day, it was skater, goth, emo, that type mm. of stuff. Whereas yes, yeah. because actually mm. that's part Too of masking because yeah. it's what should I be doing in order to fit yes, in, exactly. right? So what do I need to wear? Mm. What do I, what music do I need? Mm. What do I like? What do I say? Yeah. Because these are not things no. that if you're neurodivergent, being neurotypical, again, is like taking on a completely different yeah. way yeah. of being. So you're yeah. learning. Yeah. So you're look at, I'll be looking at you thinking, right, so next time, I really should have worn a hoodie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah. And um, what should I say? What mm. should I say? And so what people start mimicking, mm. you know, uh, may repeat words, uh, may not say anything because yeah. they may get it wrong. Yeah. So I think um, mm. that thing about fixation isn't, this is a way of, Asking, of yeah. trying mm. to fit in a yeah. society and find your identity. And so important about schools. Except you know, it I've isn't got, your got, identity either. No, no. So no. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. So yeah. I've got two, two small children who are in the system, well, one who's in the school, school system, and it is around, you will sit down, you will tidy up, you will do this, you will do that. And in reality... Mm. Life yeah. doesn't work like that, mm. you know. World Book Day, World what a nightmare! I know, I know. For, for, for many children, yeah. children, yeah, for many children, it doesn't work. It's, well, it's out of routine as well, you know. Yes. They, they feel they it's feel amazing. they belong, don't they, in their uniform? You know, I I don't stick out, yeah. um, you know. And whereas World Book Day, you know, it's all about 
They looked, you know, yeah. their costume's better than my costume, or I don't want to. I've got it costume. wrong. Am I yeah. wearing the wrong yeah. costume? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and talk about neurodivergent mm. um, children, young yeah. people. God, that, that might throw some of them into an absolute well, tizzy. It, I mean, it absolute. used to be in our, you know, and until we realised that our son was was autistic, mm. we, we literally, um, and, you know, I'm sure he'd be okay with me sharing this, you know, he would he would be in the car and we would have his costume because he wanted to do it. Mm. Yes, they wanted. But also the anxiety of will people be, will they, will they everyone be, will they be there? Yeah. Is it the right costume? Mm. And we literally had to dress him in the car mm. and he was beside himself. Yeah. I mean, obviously then we learned really quickly, yeah. this isn't okay, we're not going to do that again. And so mm. he became the only boy in his school uniform when everybody else was in there. Well, there were probably two more. Yeah. Um, and um, but a big thing was made of that yeah, as well. So yeah. you know this thing about identity. What yeah. is your identity? Is massive, is massive. in, yeah. in, in our, our organisation yeah. as well. We have a uniform for our sort of leisure assistants yeah. to wear, so they feel very comfortable because they've got you know a uniform, if you like. Um, but we've got, for example, a staff awards night on Friday and I know just speaking to a lot of people they're like what are you wearing and what are you wearing yeah. um you know and I go oh well I'll wear whatever I want to wear on the night whereas a lot of people actually do see that as a night a barrier yeah. it's like mm -hmm. world book day yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what you just said you know I'm not go I'm not going to it because I I might stick out or I might not be dressed appropriate or yeah. or whatever so I do understand that so in our organization we do have that uniformed you know and they do kind of fit in um and they're happy to fit in that way because they've got a standard yeah, uniform yeah, yeah. they have a role so they have a role, have a role. Yeah, yeah. exactly well no um very interesting topics of conversation. Um, and just to kind of sum up, um, what do you feel are the three key messages you would like to get across today um, oh. about go neurodiversity? Go go you know, um, whether it be within the workplace, yeah. within school. Um, so being curious, I think, I think is really, really critical. Um, and not curious from the perspective of, I must go and question every single person with ADHD. That's that that's no. oppressive curiosity. No. Please don't do that. The curiosity. I'm not is, gonna tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the curiosity comes from, okay, as a neurotypical person, I've formed an opinion. Mm. And I've formed an opinion from all the sources of information that come into me. Mm. So news outlets, media, etc. Okay, I'm now going to go and learn about it. Be curious with your own opinions, be curious about that information. And 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 that that's quintessentially kind of one of the key messages, really. Mm. Um don't have to think about three, it's fine. No, you know, no, 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 just no, one is good. And if you can think of any more, great. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, I read, the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you read this so I think, because I could rumble on for, for, for weeks, I think the, the first thing is listen to and believe neurodivergent voices. It is not for you to say, oh, you don't feel that, or it's not that bad, or you can manage that. Mm. Please listen. The second one is, you know, don't just develop neurodivergent awareness practices, make them affirming practices and policy, uh, but do it through a neurodivergent lens if possible, you know, this is my wish list rather yeah. than, you know, um, and the last one for me would be if you can move away from and challenge the ableist deficit view of neurodivergent. That for me is really important. Just question it. You know, mm. whose truth is it? It might. Is it all right for me? just because it's all right for me? Does that mean that that works for you? So, yeah. so that for me is something that mm. I think is really, really important. Yeah, and I think the things that you said today, um, you know, really resonate with me about you know it's not just about rolling out training for all our managers. Yeah. It's you know getting the the individuals that they themselves you know, um, have this, you know, way of thinking and hopefully they will resonate that way of thinking to our line managers too. And um, also to, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, listen to more forums and I'd, you know, probably more studies with regards to, you know, what we as an employer can do within the workplace. Um, as you just rightly said, you know, uh, one of our employability action plans is to get someone who has a disability, um, whether visible or invisible, to kind of walk through their work environment um, and tell us, you know, what do we need to do better? You know, um, not to make the offices so cluttered, 
some people might think, um, you know, or, you know, what what do we need to do? Turn down the ringtones, you know, maybe not to six where that just winds you up, but maybe to just three and then the answer machine kicks in. It's just those little things that we um, can do as an employer. And we can do it. We have the power to do it. Um, but it's just sometimes, you know, our... Uh, we're we're not you know it's our ignorance really and that's what we need to learn as an organization and not just us but many organizations I think actually talking to other organizations we are slightly ahead if not way ahead um which pleases me greatly um, as being in HR for all these years. We've come a long way, um, you know, and we're very open and we will support staff who also tell us, you know, or speak to us. You know, it's a two-way communication sometimes. And I know that probably is really difficult for somebody, you know, that, that is neurodivergent. And it must be very difficult to kind of think, well, how can I tell them? But I don't know how to tell them because I don't want to put my head above the parapet because I don't want to then suddenly be labelled yeah. um, as this individual. So so thank you for, for educating me um, and hopefully to the audience as well. So, you know, thank you very much for talking about it so openly and thank you for, to our listeners as well. Hopefully you've learned something today.